Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94, Cricket Every Day. I'm Neil Manthorpe, my co-host is Lungani Zama, but you'll know that by now. We're on to episode 23, I think. South Africa on 99.94 is your new home for South African content. We'll be dropping into your podcast feed um, on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So do please rate, review and subscribe. And also, if you get the chance, if you haven't done so already, check out The Mitch Johnson Show um, where the former Aussie talks about his life inside and outside and after cricket. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. So thanks for listening to uh, Cricket's Conversation. Um, the South African team have arrived back in South Africa now. Uh, that um, long-standing old convention that uh, they do an arrival press conference at the airport. Um, Captain Temba Bavuma was there alongside uh, Director of Cricket Enoch Nkwe. It seems a particularly cruel habit not so bad um if you've won i suppose and uh, if you've got something to be cheerful about but when you travel back from australia even if you are in business class uh, the last thing you really want to do is face the media but um temba bavuma did so with his usual grace um and uh gosh um i mean he the first thing he said James, was that uh, he was still processing what had happened he again spoke with uh, enormous honesty, and uh, honestly, um, I still think there was a bit of a, a quiver in his voice. Um, I, I mean, he said he was still processing everything. Um, he was asked—I <laughs> was going to say—he was asked all the hard questions, but uh, there were some of our colleagues who were actually there, who were dancing around the subject. One uh, of our colleagues um, said. Um, uh, there were obviously some players who were out of form. Um, did you ever discuss uh, uh, changing the team? And I think uh, Temba put him out of his misery and he said, I think you might be talking about Reza Hendricks. Um, what, did you ma- <laughs> what, what did you make of it? As I said, um, he carried himself with enormous dignity right through the World Cup, right through his entire captaincy tenure. Yeah, look... That arrival press conference is, um, I'm sure every captain has dreaded it. I think famously Graham Smith ducked one and went straight to Ireland once and was never forgiven. Um, I'm sure Timber wishes he had some sort of island to disappear to for several weeks. Um, Just to, yeah, I suppose like you say, to process. Um, It's all well and good to say these things and, you know, Enoch said that they would have a thorough review. And you would you would hope, if they're sincere, that the questions that will be asked in that review process are a lot harder than the ones that were asked at the press conference um, yesterday because you, you have to be a bit frank. And, and, and the horse has bolted, of course, but if there is any shred of positivity to come from that Netherlands defeat is if they, they do, you know, change systemically several things in in terms of approach, in terms of, you know, just not being so rigid and, 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 and just being so stiff in terms of we have a system and that's what we're doing. If it's not working and you can see it's not working, don't wait for the problem to sort of eliminate you, you know, fix it. Um, you, 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 there's nothing, I'm sure there's nothing more frustrating than coming back from a tournament and knowing in the back of your head, that you didn't exhaust every possibility. And I think that's probably what will nag not just Timber and outgoing coach, but that whole team. You know, deep down they know that there, there could have been another way to play it. You could have had another approach that probably would have. I mean, we watched India take apart England, chasing a very similar score to what South Africa chased against the Netherlands. Um, 
and you know, with all due respect, England faced far far harder bowlers and and a full crowd at that. But they stepped on the gas straight away, and there was just a, a positive body language that said, "We want this," and silenced the crowd within halfway through the overs. And you know, it it, it brushed aside a strong Indian team who thought they had a really good chance and they'd put up a decent total. But that's what positive body language does, and. You hope there's there's lessons learned, and you hope South Africa do sit and watch the final that they could have been at themselves. Um, but yeah, you, you can say all you want in press conferences. If, if if your actions don't speak as loudly as your words, you know, then nothing's changed, uh, and we'll we'll bumble into the next tournament and bumble out of it and have another press conference saying we need another thorough review. There have been a lot of those in South African cricket, but um, we haven't seen much reform. Uh, which is why you know it feels like the same vicious cycle every time World Cups come around. Now they come around even more regularly than the four years we used to wait just for 50 overs. It seems there's one every year. So if you don't change, you're going to keep on doing the same things. It seems to me that uh, Enoch and Koe has um, been brushing up on his corporatese. Um, he, uh, he certainly uh, trots out... Um, corporate lines every now and then and uh, I think that that's going to be a source of enormous frustration to me because you know there are times when you go Enoch that's not you that's not you I'm, I've known you for years don't speak like that um, but he, you know he's he's been to to boardroom summer school hasn't he um, but he did at least on a couple of occasions say um, that uh, he talked about care for players um, and that's something that you and I, in our frustration, didn't necessarily talk very much about um, following the defeat by the ne the Netherlands. But you know that the, there is a duty of care, isn't there? I mean, I I certainly hope, and I'm fairly confident that we didn't come across last time as we analysed that defeat as saying that we ever thought that the players didn't care. I mean, I used the word freeze rather than choke or panic. I think they they just froze, um, and. You know, you, you mentioned that Temba would like to disappear off to an island or, or down a hole. If he is feeling like that, then, you know, all of the other players will be feeling like that as well. And they do need to, they do need a hug. They they do need to be cared for. Well, of course. I mean, of of course they care. And, and I think they the, the disappearing act that they'd all want to do for the next week or so is, purely out of embarrassment, you know, public shame. It's it's just something that you can't explain away. It doesn't matter. And half of it is not even what's said to you. It's just the look of sheer horror on, on, on anyone who comes across you. Like, they just can't believe that that's what you did. There's there's no words for it. And, and of course, uh, like we said, every single one who was on the field was, was trying. So there is a, a, a duty of care to make sure people care and, and and I think you know the one one of the things that Saka has done over the years even right through the pandemic is make sure that they really looking after players mental wellness um so I'm sure to those who put up a hand you know a lot of cricketers still feel the need to suffer in silence pick up your hand and, and say look I'm not coping I, I I thought I was and I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling to to move past this hurdle this you know this hole get out of this hole caused by you know just what happened on on that day against the Netherlands um so you do hope that there are those who are brave enough to say look 
I, I'm really struggling to get around this corner and move on. There's there's a test tour to Australia coming up. There's an SA20 tournament coming up. Um, coping mechanisms, you know, the greatest athletes in the world these days employ people full-time to work on their mental wellness. So if, if, if it's a team that comes from a traditionally mentally fragile um, sort of background in terms of tournament cricket, certainly, then you would, you would you'd certainly hope that all the things are in place to make sure that you at least, if not fully remedy, at least help people recover and start again. Because otherwise, yeah, then you're really, you know, down a downward spiral. Another comment from Enoch that um, raised my eyebrows, and I genuinely don't know whether you'll agree with me um, about this or not, but um, he spoke about um, uh, driving a strong culture internally. Um, and he said that uh, people need to know that there's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes. Um, and I thought, what? why is it behind the scenes? What, what, are you? I mean, there's, you know, what about a bit of transparency? Just like be be open, and I keep coming back to New Zealand and New Zealand cricket and the way that they run the game, and everything is above board. I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, I was going to say obviously there are a few things that take place behind closed doors, but barely. I mean, it's, and we need to see a sort of clear of about talking about administration and and administrators purely because it's it's you know it's it's a dull subject and people want to hear about cricketers and what happens on the field but i have to say um that the culture of south african cricket administration is one of of self-serving secrecy that's what happens at board level um the 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 new president of the board has yet to have a one-on-one with the captain or the coach or the team. Uh, you would have thought that Lawson Naidu by now would have gone, uh, well, maybe not gone into the change room because that belongs to the players, that's sacrosanct, but, you know, would have arranged to have a discussion with the nationally contracted players to introduce himself, to talk about his hopes and, and find out what their hopes and dreams are. But, that's the way the game is administered. And and I just think that, you know, the team inherit that modus operandi. And I just think a bit more openness and transparency might help. Well, like you said, we don't want to spend too much time talking about this subject. But I think any any journalist who's still on the in the media list for Cricket South Africa would have noticed in the last two, three months the the very detailed and well-written profiles of every single board member and just how much they do for cricket, which is is unheard of, quite frankly. No one cares. Well, uh, you're well servants of the game. Well-written. I think well, they're, they're sugar-coated, romanticised nonsense, fairy tales, fairy tale I'm, I'm biographies. Trying be, I'm trying to be <laughs> diplomatic. Um, but the point I'm making is that if you're spending days and days crafting these you know, sugar-coated biographies. Yeah, to 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 board members who, quite frankly, no one, no one cares. The public doesn't care about your journey through the game, and, and 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 it's what you're doing now for for the journey of 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 everyone else who's behind you. And uh, I'm sure 
if we all if the players were, were to be honest, they they would rather not deal with the board because it's so out of touch with what they need to do and what they're trying to do. And and, and the behind the scenes thing does concern me because that speaks directly to an instruction to to say that there's a lot of people who are working hard. The only people that South African cricket fans and followers judge are the eleven that walk out on the field to represent everyone else who works behind the scenes, and that's. You know that's that's a given. They, they they are the face of South African cricket. So it, whatever work is done in the background, yes, it's important work. But to, to start highlighting it in, in in the midst of a crisis, um, says you're focusing on the wrong things. The the the, the key now is, is is to do hard work publicly, show it, see it. Um, you know, and 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 let 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 the public see change in approach in in intensity and. Uh, in like you say, in 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 actual accountability, um, don't hide in the shadows and say, "I promise you, we're doing we're doing our homework." Show it, you know. Um, show it, and, and and without transparency, you know, these questions do come up about how sincere all these words are. So yeah, you you do hope that their actions are sincere, because otherwise, it's 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 just words, and you know, words words don't change things. Um, it's decisive action. Um, and they're going to have to be decisive about, you know, the failures of this T20 World Cup, and 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 we'll see, you know, time time will tell. So let's 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 wait with bated breath, Manners. We'll take a short break. Come back when we come back. We'll talk about the the future of some of the individuals in the South African team. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on ninety nine point nine four. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Welcome back. We're uh, still digesting and processing South Africa's uh, exit from the World T20 and uh, we're looking ahead to the future because uh, the game moves on at pace. Uh, what about the individuals involved, um, Lungani? Um, I, I, my question, I, I did question um, how many players would carry on, but also on a different podcast I said that I thought half a dozen players uh, would no longer be involved in international cricket. And you know what? I was actually thinking about some of those who are on the fringes, young players. I was thinking not ju- not just about Quinton de Kock, who may well say, you know what, I've 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 run my race. Um I've got, you know, domestic contracts around the world. He can play he can play ten months of the year around him and he's so so he he may well say uh, uh, yeah thank you very much and, and walk away. Um but it's some of the younger players that, that I, I thought, you know, they might just think, um, do, do I need this? We have discussed this before and you said, come on, you know, it's playing for your country is the greatest honour. Of course, everybody will want to do that. And I just wonder, actually, whether that is the case. What about what about those? Let's talk about the contracted players initially, though. Um, Riley Rousseau just tweeted that um, morning, everybody, uh, just for your information, I have no intention of retiring from international cricket. So we'll take him at his word. What about David Miller, Khisarabada? Um, 
I presume Tristan Stubbs. I mean, he's only he's only twenty one, twenty two, isn't he? So <laughs> hopefully he hasn't had a stomach full. Yeah, look, for a long time, the fear in in South African cricket was that it might go the way of the West Indies, where there's easier money to make without jumping all the hoops and hurdles that come with being a South African contracted cricketer, which is um, something that Quentin de Kock eventually walked away from in terms of a, a full-on contract. And um, so did A.B. de Villiers, for that matter. Um, but I, I still don't think that the guys that you mentioned, Kachiso Rabada, Dave Miller, you know, he cast it further. Aidan Markram, Anrich Nokia. Um, I think there's, there are still things that they want to accomplish. Um, it's, as far as possible, South African cricket has sort of bent over backwards to accommodate certainly the premier T20 tournament around the world. Um, the IPL to make sure that you've got a clean window and, and as we saw when they pretty much forfeited the series against Pakistan to make sure that players could choose to go and play and fulfill their obligations in the IPL so they're doing everything they can in terms of making sure that you're available for the for the one big purse that you have every year um, you can't you obviously can't stop them so every time contract comes comes around you you, you look to see a, who's been offered a contract, and more importantly, who's signed them. Um, the, the the day it comes that, like Quinny, but Quinny's, Quinny's problems were complex and um, it had been coming for a while. I mean, he didn't have the best relationship with Mark Boucher. He he didn't have the best relationship with a lot of that regime. Um, you know, he, he, his experiments of um, being captain, um, and then what happened during the last World Cup, there was a lot. And all of, all of this in the midst of, of, of becoming a father for the first time. So his break from international cricket obligations, certainly from test cricket, um, were, were, were complex. And I, I, I don't know, but I don't think Dave Miller or Kachisu Rabada are about to become fathers. I'd, I'd be surprised. Um, so I think there's still a freedom there, and 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 a full-on professional, you know, and and patriotic perspective that they still enjoy representing South Africa. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't think there's going to be this mass exodus. I know Mark Bowger hinted at it, but I I certainly wouldn't think so. Like you say, it's the youngsters who have not had a taste of it at all who might look at it the other way, like a Devil Brevis or Tristan Stubbs. Um, but you know the opportunity is there for them to be to be part of the change as well, um, and and that counts for something. This is going back to um, administration, but it's also it's the culture of administration. We weren't talking about individuals. So Faf Duplessis was in discussions when Graham Smith was still director of cricket, and and Mark Boucher was in the earlier uh, um, days of his coaching tenure. They spoke about giving Faf a T20 contract. He said, I'm still desperately keen to play in last year's T20 as well as this T20. I'm still, I still believe that I, I, I can perform, that I can um, be a senior player in the team. And, uh, you know, and, and so there was this discussion about 
coming up with a new T20 contract. But administration in South Africa, if it moves at all, moves at a glacial pace. And you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about now this is the way we do things in South Africa. Well, we need to change. We need to go to a certain degree the way of the West Indies and have these, even if you only contract players for a tournament, you know, and and this should have happened. And I, I'm not being wise after the event because I said this years ago with A.B. de Villiers um, when people said, you know, so that South Africans, even the public said, you can't just pick and choose which tours you go on and which games you play and what formats you play and when you want to break. That just is illustrative of how behind the times South African cricket is in, in some degree sport, but rugby's changed, you know. Um, they've embraced this concept of, hang on, is he one of our best players or not? And do we want him to play for the Springboks? Yes, we do. So how do we make it work? And that's Enoch and Quay's biggest challenge now. And it's on his plate. It's on his desk because he's director of cricket. But he's got this whole administration that he has to drag into them because we've still got antiquated administrators who say, well, that's not the way we do it. You either want to play for your country or you don't. Well, it that isn't the real world. It's not the real world. Enoch has to persuade the board of directors that this is how we need to go. And we need to have T20-only contracts. We need to have T20 and 50-over contracts. We need to have test contracts. And then the problem is, who's going to want a test contract? Because they've only got six games a year. It's a massive problem. Yeah. And the biggest bucks traditionally have got, have gone to, to the test contracts because that's seen as the pinnacle. Um and I think if we look honestly around the world, the, the onus has shifted dramatically. And certainly if you're only playing six test matches a year, to to, to, to then weight your your the financial worth of, of, of your national contract heavily towards test cricket is you know, certainly questionable from a South African perspective. We can't we've we've tended to follow the way of the Australians and the English in terms of the way that they weight things, but they play more than anyone else. They'll play almost triple what we play. So you, you can't. You just can't. And also, they do that because even their bottom rung, you know, contracts are so much better than miles apart from 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 where we are. So we just do have to be pragmatic. And and I hope that same approach applies to the coaching. You know, you you can't say oh, we pick one coach for all formats. You just can't. Um, it, it, it's being exposed that you know, having the same coach drill the same things into you for three different formats probably is not the way. And, and, and even for them to constantly change gears, if it's hard enough for players, it surely is very difficult for, play, for coaches to come with a whole new squad and, 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 and try and use the same methods to, to, to inspire performances out of them. One, one is a lot more ruthless and happens so quickly. And, 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 you know, the other one is a lot more reflective. I think Amali Bonga Moketa is, is probably perfect for test cricket, but you, you wonder what he would have done differently for this T20 World Cup if he was at the helm already. Uh, it's, it's a different beast. And, and you've got to look and say, who gets the best out of their T20 resources in South African cricket or abroad? That's the person that we need to drive the change in our T20 culture. And you do the same for 50 over cricket. And if you identified him as the test coach and he's going to spend lots of time watching domestic cricket and honing the next batch of South African test cricketers, 
great. But pick a horse for a course in T20 cricket that's going to walk into the change room, inspire your players, and, 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 and give them belief because that's what's desperately lacking. Okay, we'll take a short break and uh, back with more on this subject in just a moment. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Well, we're in the the post-T20 World Cup, the post-Netherlands-South Africa, post-Netherlands defeat South Africa. Um, everybody will remember where they were on the day, uh, on the morning when they woke up if they didn't watch the game and uh, remember w- uh, the, uh, the Netherlands defeat. Um, so... The first-class game has just started in South Africa now. Um, the Division One, for those who aren't aware, has eight teams in it, and there's just one round of matches. So only seven games um, that has been bemoaned by a number of fairly high-profile domestic coaches are saying that's not enough. It's only seven first-class games. Um, unlike England, which is talking about cutting the number of fixtures for all sorts of um, for all sorts of reasons, improving the quality of cricket. They say they play too much. Uh, South Africa has only got one round of games, only seven matches, purely for a cost from a cost perspective. Yeah, it is scary. Um, it, it, it is just about a few more than test matches that the national team will play anyway, so it's about on par. But it is, it is a financial consideration. Um, but I mean, the season is shrinking, and you're trying to to cultivate new cricketers and 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 get them up to speed with, you know, the one thing that we saw in in terms of weaknesses in in this T20 World Cup is it's still a bit of a jump. If you've not played international cricket, it doesn't matter whether you come from these domestic franchises around the world or you've played a bit of first class cricket. It's still a jump. You you do need to adjust and speaking to a few former players even this week, just trying to understand the the gulf between playing domestically and playing internationally. They say it's, you still have to pay, you know, you still have to pay your way. And the only way you pay it is spending days on the cricket field with players who are more experienced than you or better than you, you know, more skilled than you. That's how you learn. And if you keep shrinking the the playing calendar, you're doing those players a disservice because the experience that you should garner over two years is now really going to take you four or five years. Um, and, 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 and that doesn't help anyone. Um, so you hope with the injection of, of, of money that is supposedly coming from the SA20, the next, the next round of fixtures for next season at least gives you 10, 12 matches of, 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 of Red Bull cricket to, to, to at least start giving you better test cricketers or at least players who know how to play four days of cricket um, because you can see you can see that the lack of cricket is hurting and when South Africa have played test cricket you know that it doesn't seem like it's going to last three days never mind five I went through my uh, inbox um, over the last um, 18 months and I counted 46 press releases from various provinces provincial teams 
announcing a new supplier. Uh, there was the latest one yesterday was the the champion province, the Northerns um, or the Titans, uh, have now signed up with Airlink, who are going to fly them to all of their four day games that are played outside of Gauteng. But you know, from from KZN inland announcing a new supplier of of shampoo for the change rooms and um, a local garage supplying a, a minibus to to take the youth team from here to there. I, it was something I advocated two years ago when it was announced that there would be two divisions and we were reverting back to 14 provinces. I said that it would be survival of the fittest and there's no way that 14 provinces in two divisions can be sustained financially and, and I thought it was it was fantastic, you know, Boyland uh, having their, um, f- I think, um, Wellington chutney supplying their <laughs> lunches. I mean, n- none of it's actual money. It's all suppliers, contract supplier, you know, and they're, they're trying to survive. But the truth is that only the Titans and possibly uh, the Dolphins or Natal um, can actually survive, can actually financially survive. I mean, the the the, the Gauteng Lions, I mean, the, the names change every year, so I'm not sure if that's what the, the I'm not sure, <laughs> what are they called now? Anyway, they, they can't survive purely because um, of the running costs of, of the Wanderers. They can break even, they, they can survive, they, they won't make a profit. The truth is that all of the other provinces are subsidised by Cricket South Africa. It's a totally unsustainable system. Even if they, even if they are being driven around for free and given free lunches, no such thing as a free lunch, of course. But I mean, it's a, it's a concern, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it is, and it places a a massive burden on 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 each province. And and I mean, the ones who are in opposition of breaking apart the franchise system and and going this way and and out of instead of six franchises you only have 14 this was the concern that you you're spreading what is a pretty small pie the slices are becoming thinner and thinner for more and more and there was justifications from Saka in terms of there's more money going to players and whatnot but you still need money to run each of these teams and get them from A to B and that's part of the problem why we, we play on inferior pitches with everyone housed in a hostel so that you can have all the fixtures in, in potch as opposed to everyone having home and away games as, as before. You, you, you're cost-cutting, um, but you're also quality-cutting every single time you cut because you're compromising the product. Um, you're asking players and, 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 and teams to squeeze more and more, and it shows. You know, Ultimately, it shows. Uh, you're supposed to have more time and more more money and more quality around you as you go up the the ladder, so to speak. You know, an under nineteen cricketer and an amateur cricketer can slam it, but as you get professional and you get to franchise and you're looking at at international cricket, the the, the path is certainly not supposed to be paved in gold, but you're supposed to see that okay, that's it's the promised land because. You've done the hard yards before. Now, the only thing you need to worry about is how you perform on the field. Everything else is not your problem. They're, these things are sorted and, and, and they are seamless. 
but but more and more you you look around South African cricket and players are asked to you know come to the the opening of a a letter so that they can you know get something out of a sponsor a, a local sponsor and and I don't say that in a mocking sense because you do need these partnerships from from locals local businesses who've been around for a long time you you do need their support um but this this wasn't thought through fully when when we we switched to to 14 franchises uh it's great that you know the the bare minimum that a, a player who's contracted can get is over 100,000 rand or whatever it is but the reality is teams are suffering because they've had to spread what resources would normally come to make sure that the Wanderers looks pretty, to make sure the lights at Kingsmead work, to make sure they get new covers. Those are going to players and players are the first ones to complain that, oh, our lunches are inferior and we are driving to Joburg instead of flying and we are driving on, 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 on the night of a game straight after we're jumping on a bus and driving through the night because we can't afford to pay for 15 hotel rooms. These are the compromises you start making, and and they affect you as a cricketer. And like I say, the 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 golden egg is supposed to be the SA Twenty. There's a lot of pressure on it even before balls been hit, because it has to be a commercial success to to sustain South African cricket. And on that note, that is exactly um, the topic that we're going to talk about on our next podcast. Um, the the SA Twenty and the hoped for trickle down effect of that money will it get to where it is most needed um but uh, that's all we've got time for this time thanks for listening to south africa on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day please rate review and subscribe wherever uh, you enjoy your podcasts it certainly uh, gives us a welcome boost. Um, you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Neil Manthorpe and at Wamzam17. So never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. <laughs> Cricket every day, your way. <laughs>